I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. We continue now with our special project, the Open Mic of the Air. If you've been missing open mics where you live due to the worldwide pandemic, this is an opportunity to share your work and hear poetic voices from around the world. If you want to submit, you can send a recording, five minutes or less, to openmicoftheair at gmail.com. You can find full submission guidelines on our website, poetryspokenhere.com. Now, before we start, let me say what I always say at live open mics. You can rant, you can chant, you can shout, get it out, get it down, get it off, off your chest, off the page. Share your mission, share your glory, share your vision, tell your story. Take a moment in the sun, the mic is open. And now our first poet this week is Linda Simone. She's from San Antonio, Texas. She writes poetry and paints watercolors. And you can see her art at her website, lindasimone.com. Good morning. This is Linda Simone from San Antonio, Texas. And I am missing my hairdresser because we are all sheltering in place here. So I'm going to read for you today a poem uh, that makes me think of her, and it's called Salon. This is where dreams blow real, where you can feel yourself lose years, save face in the space of that swivel chair, where people who care wrap you in terry, wait on you hand, foot, and hair. Watch yourself in the glass all shaggy and gray, blossom today beneath magic hands. Your stylist works scissors like a scalpel, adding layers of meaning to a mane too full. Dabs on color like Picasso, throws the therapy in for free. Take a few hours of your time to be vain. For a price, Become the seductress, lovely, confident, sane. Well, the Southwest of the U.S. was not represented in our first open mic, so guess what? We've got a second poet from Texas here, Flower Mound, Texas. What a lovely name. It's about a half hour northeast of Fort Worth. And our poet's name is Michael Manassian. My name is Michael Manassian, and I live in Flower Mound, Texas. The poem I'm going to read today is titled The Cut Above the Heart, which was first published in the Main Street Rag in 2017. This poem is part of my new poetry collection, which was just released by Transcendent Zero Press, titled Time is Not a River, now available on Amazon. The Cut Above the Heart. The girl in the room upstairs has the best view, she says, overlooking the joggers path and tennis courts, 
cracked and overgrown with weeds. The one time she invited me in for a drink, we sat on the fire escape, smoking and finishing off a bottle of wine. I stayed for breakfast, but she never asked me up again. After the eggs and toast and coffee, after the last touch, when she opened her shirt to show me the scar just above her right nipple, she shoved me out the door saying, that's what you get when you touch the third rail of love. Sometimes at night, I could hear her crying or making love. And in the morning, it was always the same. The door slamming and footsteps on the stairs heading down to the lobby alone. Another cut above the heart. Now, moving to Ohio, we have Carlos El Principito Garcia Leon. When he's not writing poetry, he's an arts fundraiser working at the Cincinnati Opera. Hola, my name is Carlos El Principito Garcia Leon. I'm a queer Latina Latino, born in Mexico, living in Cincinnati. And this piece is called, this is a sentence. Hope you enjoy. This is a sentence, noun and verb. Perhaps an adjective here, comma, maybe a question mark there. That is a sentence. Confided by rules, a first letter must be capitalized, period, at the end of the last. This is a sentence, a.k.a. a prison. I see no difference. The word sentence has that dual meaning. Sentences on paper are just bars preventing the breaking of rules like I before E except after C. But all the exceptions are rich folks. Because I've never been told that ain't is a word by teachers to be used in my essays. That a double negative is proper. But here I am, a double negative of your own creation, brown and educated. The system's worst fear. So, brouhaha be. Let me mess with this. Noun adjective, ho, some. Double negative, you're not, not cute. Improper location, I can't believe, exclamation point, that you are such a blessed. Are those who can see past the bars, past the rules, screw things up, make people uncomfortable, question the traditions, just a necrophilic way to love the dead and keep the living inside the coffins of their own existence. Your poetry might be formal, a bunch of rules, rhymes, and regulations, counting measures, perhaps number of syllables, but there is no message in your dictation, plenty of words, just education posed as a higher horse, so take your leave because I'm here to make you believe that you don't need to follow Poe, Neruda, or even Cower to metaphorically talk about love, sex, and drugs, sadness, disease, or climate change. But give me a story, not a compilation of words mysteriously blended together. This is a sentence. A ruling found guilty of crimes of othering, of locking me in a cage, this is a sentence and I will no longer be imprisoned behind bars of any kind. This is a sentence. This is a story. Next up, we're going to go way down south to Largo, Florida. That's on the Gulf Coast, just a little bit south of Orlando. 
a lot of people know where Orlando is because of the Disney thing. So that's what I use for a little reference. And this is Selena Abbott. My name is Selena Abbott. I'm from Largo, Florida. And the title of my poem is Hear Me. You're systematically racist. We're on your generational hate list. Why can't you stop teaching hatred? We've become too complacent. We should face it. Instead of locking it away in a basement, too afraid to make a statement, you defend discrimination. Put a price on freedom. Too scared you wouldn't beat him, so you stopped. Forgot the words, fight at all costs, that young boy's dreams now squashed. He now sees that he can be bought. He learned at peace, love, and liberty, but all he knows is misery. Could never claim his victory, cause his soul did have value. Like he didn't have to battle. Like he didn't have to work twice as hard to be worth half you. So don't come to me, cause I won't have sympathy. You're protected by white supremacy, the one that mocks black history. You used us to support your industry, now we're just a memory. And that gets to me. Our neighborhoods gentrified black boys, misidentified mass incarceration, on the rise police not convicted of genocide or hate crime. Homelessness at an incline, but it's fine, right? We shouldn't fight or go out at night or in the light, because as long as my skin is black, you'll have fright. It's time to change the system. We just need you to listen. And next up, Susan Jeffs. She's from the Southern Adirondacks in upstate New York. And she also sometimes spends time in Vermont. Hi, my name is Susan Jeffs. I am recording this from Lake George, New York where I'm from, and I also live part of the year near Middlebury, Vermont. I'm going to read a poem I wrote several years ago. It's for all the people of New York City and everywhere, um, and to share its idea that the words and ideas we'll be needing most as we move through this time are the bright new ones just emerging, the ones that have the potential to bring us into a new way of being in the world that works for all. It's called Bardo Over the Hudson. Words, born of vibrating air at West 26th Street. Words, dancing patterns for me on the sidewalk, painting themselves on purple pansies below the Columbus statue in Central Park startling me out of any remaining winter. Words quivering outside Cafe Europa, hovering between creme brulee and Carnegie Hall. Words adorning the Hudson's wide throat as my train rambles northward. These words flicker like unborn fireflies, unversed in the art of direction or rhythm or sound. They are the ones I want. These in-between words, lingering in their bardo-like spaces, sacred gaps of which the mystics speak, 
Smoky mist drifts low over the Hudson, between Gotham and Lake Tear of the Clouds, between life receiving and life giving, being and becoming. I'm very happy to have our next poet from Morgantown, West Virginia. Kirk Judd has spent his whole life in that part of the United States. His poetry is imbued with the history of the country where he lives. And he's going to be doing something for us with music. The high country remembers her heritage. My name is Kirk Judd. I'm from Monongalia County in Morgantown, West Virginia. These poems are from my CD collection, My People Was Music. The musicians playing behind me on the poems are Mike Being on mandolin, Tim Being on banjo, Danny Arthur on guitar, and Bob Shank on hammered dulcimer. The High Country Remembers Her Heritage. My people was music. Their lives were poems told in the old language of earth and season, rain and sun, field and sweat, stream and blood. My people was music. They come to this country in fiddle cases thrown on the tide. They burst on the shore and notes was their babies and they spread over the land, moving up the valleys and the hollows with the piping of the wind, moving up the rivers and the runs with the rhythm of the spawn, the pulse of blood on membrane beating, coming home to live, coming home to die, coming home to live, coming home. My people was music. They throwed down roots and growed up families and stayed. Stand with your heart in the earth and your hand in the sky and hear them in the hum of the planets in the songs of the stars that carry the cadence of time. Hear your granddaddy in the high fiddle string, your rogue uncle in the banjo ring, your button shoe aunt in the corner guitar, keeping time, keeping time, keeping time. Hear them in there, cause that's where they is. My people was music. They didn't have no politics nor economics. They didn't write no newspapers nor history books. That's not how their legacy is kept. Their lives are the poems of my soul and the songs of my breath. My people was music. And if you want to know, you've got to be able to hear. Our next poet is from northern Vermont, about way up about 60 miles from the Canadian border, little town of Barrie. It's J.D. Fox. Hello, I'm J.D. Fox, and I'm from Vermont. This poem is called Dap Odils. We bonded over daffodils out there in the field springing up like a mirage or a spontaneous blind date. He stumbled on them first and lay down among them, shouting, 
Look at me, I'm a weed. Moving his arms and making daffodil angels. I want to be a weed too, I said, and lay down next to him, my shorter arms making smaller angels in the reds and blues and yellows beneath me. Those colors suit you, he said, and kissed me on the nose. All my colors suit you, I said, and kissed him on the mouth. Let's be weeds together, he said, and our angel-making arms locked. He kicked his legs into the dirt, and I went into the dirt, too. We were a mad contagion, infesting the field daily, until our parents came looking for us and found us while we were sprouting upward. They dragged us from the field, clutching our discarded clothes in one hand and our frightened hands in the other. We'll talk about this when we get home, they said. But we never did. We never talked. We just rotted in our rooms as the daffodils took over the field again and our angels disappeared. But one day, though, in late October, I heard a tapping at my window. The daffodils are all dead, he said. I know, I said, I know. Hand in hand, we escaped to the field anyway. It's still beautiful, you know, he said, releasing me and waiting for my response. We only went there that one last time, but that was more than enough for our weedy hands to move it from mirage into something we could keep. All these years since then, that wonderful, lingering, bittersweet smell. And now, Brenda Berry from Winchester, Virginia. She happens to be married to one of last week's readers, John Berry, which makes them the first married couple to appear on the open mic of the air. Hello, Brenda Berry here from Winchester, Virginia, and I'm delighted to have this opportunity to share this poem. I wrote this a few years ago when the water protectors at Standing Rock were facing some incredible odds at saving their resources from the dreaded Dakota pipeline. And now that a federal judge has finally put that all to rest, we are now celebrating. But I wanted to share this poem called Longanimity that was inspired by my dictionary app and the word of the day at that time. The definition of longanimity is patient endurance of hardship, injury, and forbearance. And this poem is dedicated to the water protectors at Standing Rock. Longanimity. The abject audacity of white man's capacity for perpetual rapacity through blatant mendacity, the depravity of a noble warrior, sickens me. Those whose innate ability, a natural proclivity to stand with dignity, testament of magnanimity, save the water. Impending calamity, destruction of humanity, dysfunction or insanity, an act of profanity born of greed and vanity, it's all about money. Malignant verbosity expressed with ferocity, increasing velocity grows the atrocity, feeds the monstrosity, 
so much pomposity, devoid of reciprocity, sitting in ivory towers. With mindful clarity of the insincerity, they gathered in solidarity, a shift in polarity to stand valiantly and change the world. Thank you, water protectors. Thank you for your courage, for your steadfastness. We appreciate you. Matthew Yusia comes to us from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm Matthew Yusia. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And the poem I'm about to read is called At the Moment He Was Conceived. The first draft of this poem came to me in a dream, and it's based on the life of my friend Dave. At the moment he was conceived, his father, who had paused at the Franciscan seminary, emptied himself after swimming in a sea of sheets and skin, saw his reflection in his wife's pupils. One could only hope the moment was not ruined, contemplating divine judgment over choosing the wrong kind of biblical ecstasy. The boy, whose only memory of his father was set in a cancer ward, told me stories of an evil stepfather and the thousand invisible daggers passed around the dinner table. Years later, at the boy's wedding, his mother told me the story of the time he called on a landline from the very same college campus that separated them decades prior. His voice was so much like his father's, she momentarily forgot what era it was and who she was talking to. At that moment, in my mind, I heard the sound of a branch breaking. We've got another poet here from way up in northern Vermont, not far from the Canadian border. Ralph Culver is from South Burlington, and he has a book of poetry coming out later this year from Mad Hat Press titled The Passable Man. Greetings. My name is Ralph Culver, and I'm calling from South Burlington, Vermont. It's the last day of March, which can be a pretty crazy month, even in a good year. But uh, this one that we're concluding has no comparison to any month I've lived through in my entire life. Um, So I wanted to read a poem I wrote years ago dedicated to the month of March and its idiosyncrasies, which the March of 2020 puts into something of a new light. To March. Cutting carrots for soup, I'm distracted by the trees outside the window, their branches making sweeping gestures through pale air half an hour before sundown. Officious, yet somehow disinterested, the somber limbs directing, urging us to move more quickly past the scene of some disaster or other and go about our business. And I think, that's March, isn't it? They stand, the trees, above cracked plates of snow that look like a pile of slate shingles just tumbled off a truck and spilled around the trunks and shards. But that's March, too, the declining sunlight suddenly flaring up across a glaze of ice that appears without warning at a bend in the road, this unavoidable fact about yourself and the moment, and you realize 
as you turn the steering wheel smoothly into the skid, that you are at ease with the prospect of any possibility. Everything in the bed shifts as you hit dry pavement and then goes cascading. The whole load thunders overboard. But you've stopped. Stopped. Somehow you're on all four tires. And when you climb out of the cab, there is the wind. That storied, oft venerated wind moaning and clawing at your throat a lover who wants you, or wants you dead. Maybe both. Probably both, I think. Looking across the snow crust, gathering murk as dusk settles in. Winter each day, just a bit more distant. Each day itself, just a bit longer and brighter than the last. And return to the comfortable heft of the knife, the kitchen sweetened by steaming broth and promise. Another seeming catastrophe survived. Here's a poet from another little town with a lovely name. Kate Jordan from Cross Lanes, West Virginia. I just bet she heard about us from Kurt Judd. Kurt did a great job of sending out messages to people, suggesting that they submit their poetry to different writers groups. So if you're listening and you have some writers groups you know of, or just some friends who have friends who have friends, we strongly urge you to uh, send them the link to our website, PoetrySpokenHere.com, and the page that includes the guidelines for the open mic. And you can hear your friends right here. Be sure to turn your volume up. Kate's recording is a little on the quiet side. My name is Kate Jordan. I'm originally from Cross Lanes, West Virginia, but I've spent the bulk of my life now in Virginia. I wrote this poem about 15 years ago. How can it have been that long? This is called Ten Year Father. There is a legacy of fathers who disappear. In the span of four hours, two different women have said to me, when my biological father died, I cried because I didn't feel anything at all. A stranger to me then, but not so strange in the world, it seems. Did these women also wonder what defect tainted them? Did the concept of daddy's little girl seem as remote to them, a poem in a dead language? I have no Rosetta Stone, so I watch girls and their fathers from beneath shadowing lashes hoping for a key, a decoder ring, a battering ram. My second father did what he thought he should. He was safe and strong, too strict, but he would never leave his three-year-old behind at a party, her existence forgotten, better his rules and rages than the seasickness of unsteady affection. I have a memory at five your last official visit. A purple bicycle, pedals waiting three inches below my reaching toes. I rode that bike for years, long after its purple was the sunset orange of rust, and my knees hit the handlebars when I pedaled. I had outgrown you, but I didn't know it yet. At 15, a 
clandestine phone call arranged by a misguided aunt, dim and well-intentioned. You swore to see me, no matter the cost. But asking my mother proved too dear a price, and you never did. There I stand at twenty-five, at a funeral for a cousin, your sister's child. My mother whispers, that's your father coming down the aisle if you're interested. I turn to her, confused, knowing my dad is standing on her other side, feeling she has betrayed him somehow by giving you his name. Later, she pushes me forward and forward toward the edge of a pew. I look down and think, oh, that must be his arm. But I had lost the need to see her face by then. And now, right on schedule, on the brink of 35, I get a letter that tells me you're dying. It is not from you. I don't know how to process the information. It's not the numbness I expected, nor is it sadness, and it doesn't feel like regret. It's a tightening in the chest with no concrete reason. Mourning is hypocrisy. What is the name for what I'm doing? There is a dark and heavy curiosity. I know you have two other daughters I've never seen, and I wonder if they look like me. I wonder if they feel the same things I'm feeling, unfeel the same way I do. I find I want to wish you peace. Your crime was only omission, and any harm you caused only braced me for the world. What I feel at last is forgiveness, relief from our shared burden, hope for understanding on your journey. But I also want to hurt you a little, remind you that you were the grown-up, that it was up to you to take those steps back to me. I want you to know you don't get a full pardon just because you're dying now. We all die, and questions will be asked. I hope you find the answers. I hope I find them. Rounding out our lineup for this episode, we have Laura Santner. She's in the current epicenter of the pandemic in Brooklyn, New York. She's a clinical social worker and a member of the board of the National Association for Poetry Therapy. I'm glad to see someone from Poetry Therapy sending us a poem and looking forward to more submissions from poetry therapists around the world. Hi, my name is Laura Santner. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. I am a clinical social worker and also a poetry therapist. My poem is called March. On one March afternoon that turned into many, she lay splay-legged on the cool wooden floor, thinking about when she would see them again, and watched the now brown apples she should have eaten or thrown away. Her pink watermelon skirt, long and endless, mopping up the dust clumps. She promised she would clean, but never did, 
she stares at the burnt-out bulb and imagines lights circling in a carousel. Music plays in her head. She swears she is entertained enough. Thank you. And that's going to do it for our second Open Mic of the Year. A reminder that we're always looking for submissions. Send a recording, five minutes or less, of yourself reading your work. Be sure to also tell us your name and where you're from. Recordings should be sent to openmicoftheair at gmail.com. Be sure to visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com, for full submission guidelines. I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this has been the second Open Mic of the Air from Poetry Spoken Here. Be sure to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter-Mundley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetryspokenhere. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetryspokenhere. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com. <laughs>